When was the last time you picked up your phone, checked your Facebook feed, scrolled through a list of articles Google recommends for you, clicked like on an article or post that made you laugh? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. You know, you might not realize it, but all of those seemingly normal elements of digital life today are part of an extraordinary and unprecedented social transformation that's taken place over the last 15 years or so. And while it's a lot easier to find an old friend from high school than it used to be, that transformation has some seriously concerning elements to it as well. That's the subject of the new Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which dives into some of the perhaps unintended consequences of the social media revolution. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Joining me for today's conversation are Kristen Smith, Jonathan McKee, and Bob Hoos. Well, today we're going to be talking about how social media is designed to get us to spend more and more time with our screens, especially our smartphone. So confession time. What would you say is your worst or maybe just your most compulsive smartphone habit? Mine is probably Pinterest and Instagram. Yeah, I What do you look for? Oh, on Pinterest, how I want my house to look or my future house or my ideal house. <laughs> and then figuring I don't have the money to make it look like that. So here we are. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> Real sad. And a little bit hopeful? Yeah. Aspirational, but sad? That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your confession. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like my phone. I don't like what a distraction is. I really is. I'm not trying to be some whatever, but it just. Jonathan, you can tell the truth. We're among friends here. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm not trying to preach. I'm not, but, but I don't like it. So I really try to keep it in my pocket most of the time. When I'm by myself, if I'm watching any TV show or movie. And I see an actress or an actor and I'm like, who is that? I immediately pull out yep. IMDB and I'm like, who are they? What have they been in? Whatever. And I find that sometimes I'm even like, oh, should I pause? Am I being disrespectful to the movie? Should I hit pause real quick while I That's read concerning. the background <laughs> on Steve Buscemi to find out what his first film was of the you know i don't know that's but, but so but weird now that's compulsive but, that you're answering the yeah, question so that is that is so i knew it was but, but i i but i try to do that when i'm alone so. okay well i probably have enough smartphone compulsions to make up for your alleged lack thereof <laughs> uh, is, because you. i play pokemon go i never if i'm walking anywhere i want to make sure i have my phone with me so that i get distance credit because you get to hatch eggs if you walk oh a certain distance <laughs> and it's almost like i will like get 20 feet to you know the break room at work and realize i don't have it with me and i'll walk back and get it so i think that qualifies as a compulsion and i'm a total news junkie as well aren't you a youtube like that's your area well i am but i don't do that compulsively like gotcha. that's more intentional for me like i'll I'll look at something, but I don't like spend hours and hours on YouTube, mm. but I will compulsively check the news throughout the day. I just like know, knowing what's going on. Mm -hmm. How about you, Bob? Well, I guess I'm an outlier of sorts on this conversation because <laughs> uh, because I, I'm not really a social media junkie at all. And so, I know we're talking about social media in, in general here, but um I, I was on Facebook and, you know, I, I dabbled in a little bit and then realized, you know what, this is, this is an incredible time suck mm. and I don't need it. And I stepped <laughs> away from it. So I'm, you know, and, and actually after watching this 
documentary, The Social Dilemma. Realized yeah. you were better for it, right? Yeah, I, I felt, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, we're going to be talking about The Social Dilemma today. And the buzz about this documentary has been growing the last few weeks. And now having watched it, I feel like I understand why. So we're going to talk about what you can expect if you watch this film. And we're going to kick around the ideas that stood out to us the most. You know, obviously at Plugged In, we talk a lot about the influence of screens and technology and the need for appropriate boundaries around them. The Social Dilemma definitely touches on those issues. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was interesting was that it went deeper in a whole bunch of different directions Mm -hmm. that I hadn't thought about and issues a warning about some of the ways that social media in particular, and I think even just mobile technology in general, are influencing all of us perhaps in ways that we don't even realize. This documentary was directed by a guy named Jeff Orlowski, and it's built on the premise that there is something wrong, something off with the way this technology is shaping us. He and his filmmaking team make this case by interviewing top former executives and entrepreneurs from a whole bunch of different social media organizations. We have people here that used to work at Facebook, at Pinterest, at Google, Twitter, and others. And here's the heart of it. While preparing this little part of our conversation today, I unconsciously stopped and picked up my phone and saw (laughs) that I had like four different notifications. I had something from Pokemon Go to bring that back in, even though it's not a paid advertisement. (laughs) I had a text. I had recaps on the NFL games. I had Mm -hmm. an email. And then I had a moment of realization that a minute ago I was working and now I was looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And, and if anything, this is a, a documentary that really digs into what's that about? How did we get to the point where many of us, maybe I'm worse than Jonathan, sounds like I probably am <laughs> in my compulsivity. How did we get to the point where we just pick up our phone 100 times a day and scroll through things and we don't even realize that we've made a choice. Yeah, it's an unconscious habit. To do yeah. that. Yeah. So that's one of the many things this documentary deals with, and we are going to talk about that today. So let's dive in. You know, The Social Dilemma interviews a bunch of tech experts who've all become increasingly concerned about how that technology, the technology that they developed, mm-hmm. is influencing other people. There were so many provocative quotes here, and we're going to talk about a couple of them. Um, But I I wanted to just sit there with a notebook and transcribe everything everybody said because it was kind of profound. As you guys watched, what arguments or observations about social media stood out the most to you and why? One that really stood out to me was how if we're lonely or afraid or any emotion really that we don't want to feel, we now have a digital pacifier Hmm. that allows us to forget about these problems. Yeah. And we don't have to confront them. That was such a good term, the digital pacifier. Yeah. I I thought that was so great. And not for babies, right? Right. I mean, if you think about it, and I was trying to analyze myself, like, do I use this if if I don't want to feel something? And I thought, I might not use social media, but man, if I'm just like stressed out or I just want to disconnect, I turn on Netflix that's really no different. Or I might scroll through my phone or something. So this this ability to choose to feel a different way or to just forget about what we're feeling and not confront how we feel, not learn how to process is super concerning. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was the very reason why that's the case. Hmm. I mean, they talked about how they built these systems 
And they started out, of course, it was all based on monetization of, of social right. media because they wanted to make some money. Right. right. But, and, that, and that's why they got into the idea of creating this system that would draw people in hmm. and keep them coming back. Hmm. But, but what I found very interesting was that it actually started, their work started with uh, human psychology, hmm. where they were, they were talking about um, the, the psychology classes they had taken yes. and how they could incorporate that into these programs and, and, then, and then create this, by, by delving into that field of study, they could uh, create these psychological rewards, these mm-hmm. these dopamine hits, very much like video games, yeah. as a matter of fact, um, and and program people on this unconscious level where mm-hmm. it became this habitual thing. Right. And so I, they're I, picking up their phone and they don't even realize they've done it. Like that's I right. Do. That's right. In fact, uh, there was one quote you were talking about quotes. One thing that I did jot down that I wanted to make mention of here, one of the guys said, "It's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior." It is essentially, he was saying the product, but essentially the end goal, changing what you do, how you think, mm. and who you are. Mm. Ooh, it's so creepy. It's, it is. is. No it kidding. is creepy. That was a great quote, and it was, it was funny because that guy actually uh, said that quote because he kept hearing the other people say, hey, you know, the business model is to keep people engaged with the screen as much as possible. Let's keep this you know, person's attention as long as possible and and your behavior basically you, you are the product and mm. that's what they kept saying you are the product if you realize that you know that all of a sudden these people why why, why do they want you there maybe you should realize you're the product and he kind of said no 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 no, no, you're not the product. He goes, it's a gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perceptions right, right. that is the product. And that was fascinating. And that's why I think that this is the perfect documentary to watch with your kids, because I think for them to hear a guy talk about that there's actually this Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab where yeah. they learn yeah. how can we use everything we know by psycho- about the psychology of what persuades people and build that into technology. Yeah. You know, um, that that's good for young people to realize that somebody is sitting there saying, you know, let's let's see what we can do to addict young people in the same way that we do with slot machines and this and that. Yeah. And um, I, I think it might help young people become a little more self-aware. Right. It's it's a it's very scary. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, it really is scary, but it's something that we don't face. It's a reality that we don't face. We live with it every day, but we don't think about it. Yeah. And and when you stop to think about it, that's when you go, ooh. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was, uh, I think it was somebody who was involved early on in Facebook. It might have even been the guy who was the inventor of the like button. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, our desire was to create a place that had positivity, that was, you know, a forum and a context where we could say nice things and reinforce nice things. And the like button was a way to do that. And then he goes on to say something to the effect of, you know, in retrospect, he couldn't believe how naive uh, they were, that they couldn't see the sort of unintended consequences of what that might Mm -hmm. create. Uh, And I think that there is a message here that all of these people who have stepped away had a moment of, of realization that they were participating in something that was creating an outcome that was so far beyond what they had anticipated. Uh, And even though they were the experts, there were still things happening with the way that social media 
was transforming people's lives that were far bigger than anything yeah. that they had intended. Yeah. There, there was also one, one moment uh, when somebody was saying that every single action you take is carefully watched, tracked, monitored, and recorded. Yeah. And we, I think we've sort of sensed that that's the case, especially when you're, you're on Google and suddenly the thing that you searched uh-huh. yesterday uh-huh. pops up and go, oh. Um, but it, it, it's, it, the idea is that it's all this data that they've been collecting Mm. From everything that we do on our phones, even if you're this young girl who's just looking at selfies and sending out selfies, everything you do is still recorded and still monitored. And then that data is fed into systems that that nearly that have no nearly no human interaction with them. And they and they build these models that predict what you're going to do next. Yeah. They, They were saying that all this AI, you know, we think about Arnold and this futuristic stuff, like drones are going to come down and blow things up, and maybe they will. But really, the issue here is that they're taking all this information that was supposed to be helpful and beneficial to us, and they're using mm-hmm. it against us. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny how they uh, talk about it being a tool, and I love their comparison yeah. to, a bi- uh, to a bicycle. You go, a bicycle isn't a tool that's begging to be used. A bike didn't change society as we know it. It didn't, you know, all of a sudden parents didn't start biking away from their families and whatever they said, because a bike never reached out to you and wanted to be used. And they said, quote, and we moved away from having a tool space environment to having an addiction and manipulation based technology environment. And then he goes on to say, social media isn't just a tool waiting to be used. It has its goals basically is own means of persuading them to by using your psychology against you. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy um, when you think about that. And again, these are the kind of things where I think it's fun for us to kind of think about how that um, relates to us in our world. They, there was a couple of powerful moments in the film where they showed like they had this, you know, they kept returning to this one family that they showed this family of actors, you know, right. uh, that, and, and, um, the my favorite probably moment in the f- film is 38 minutes into the film, and and if you if your kids won't watch it, then fast forward to 38 minutes because at 38 <laughs> minutes they start th- they start doing this segment on how it affects young people's self esteem, hmm. and they show this little girl right. taking selfies. Yeah, so sad. And she takes some pictures, and she doesn't, and 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 they really stick with it longer than I thought they would, and she doesn't like the pictures, so she takes a different one, and then she puts some filters on it. And immediately you see the comments start coming in. And it was so good because the first couple comments are, you're beautiful. It's good. Then all of a sudden somebody's all, wait, your ears, are they really that big? And you see her cover up her ears with her hair. And you just, it was so real. I mean, I literally had to keep from crying as I watched this yeah. scene mm. that talked about it. And, and, and I had thought four minutes before the scene at the dinner table where a family could not not look at their devices and finally a kid broke into the container to get their device back. Another great scene. Um, I mean, there was some really powerful scenes that I think are the type of scenes you could just show your family and then hit the pause button and be like, okay, so is this us? What, you know, and look, just start asking some questions. Yeah. You know, and in, in connection with that, that very scene that Jonathan is talking about, they also linked some stats. One of, one of the guys was talking about how things were happening in the world that they st- started noticing that they didn't expect. You know, you were saying that mm-hmm. they got unexpected returns. And and some of it had to do with kids and depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys said that right around 2011, 2012, there were these increased spikes, spikes yeah. Yeah, with, with self-harm 
you know, like cutting and things like that. And uh, like 62% of older teen girls, mm-hmm. uh, it was a spike of 62% over, yeah. the, over the previous year. Yeah. Mm. And, the same, and there was a spike of 139% for preteen kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that car- those same kind of stats carried over into suicide. Yeah. I mean, and that was a real scary thing where they were saying that there were spikes of 70% for older teens and 151% for preteens in a, in a matter of a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a an issue that we have talked about a lot, that we have seen how um, when kids interact with social media, they don't have the ability to disconnect from it. They become addicted to the need for likes, right. but they also don't have the ability to process the criticism that comes. And I think the follow-up mm-hmm. scene to the one that Jonathan was talking about is, the girl, and this is the one that broke my heart because I have a 10 and 11 year old and they're about the age of this girl. The girl goes in the bathroom and she just looks at herself, her face in the mirror and she cut, she uses her hair to cover up her ears and this little tear trickles down out of her eye. And you see how one offhand comment has the ability Mm -hmm. to devastate somebody emotionally. Yeah, I mean, they they had mentioned that we were programmed as humans to care about our inner circle, right? Our band of our friends. Our tribe. Our tribe. But Mm -hmm. we are not meant to be able to carry that kind of weight from thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so I think about myself as a young girl in school. When I was younger... If someone didn't like me in school, they, they, they said it or I was talked about, but I can handle like 10 people, you know, but can you handle hundreds of thousands of people? No, right. you're not meant to, but social media now gives you the platform to be able to do that. Right. I remember uh, it's been a number of years now. Rebecca Black had the vanity song Friday come out. Mm-hmm. It was like 10, yeah. 10 right. years ago. Yeah. yeah. And you know, here is just a, a girl doing a fun little thing. And she releases it and it goes completely crazy, right? Well, she has reflected repeatedly on just the vicious, vicious things that people said to her. And whether you're a superstar, whether you're an accidental social media celebrity, or whether you're a kid who, you know, you've got your friends signed up, there's that potential for influence there that kids don't know what to do with. And it's always hard to prove causation in an airtight way. But the correlation here seems pretty obvious to researchers that these rates of depression and suicide have increased because kids aren't put together to handle the kind of input they're getting from social media. And not just that, not only are they not meant to handle it, but these advertisers are targeting these kids in these ways, right? Right, So if if you're suffering from depression or whatever it is, they're able to look at, hey, what are you looking at for how long? And we're going to give you these advertisements that are about this topic. Hmm. And so it's like a cycle that they can't break free from. And, and you know, it's not something new. Because if you you think about it, back in the old days, you know, they would have commercials on TV. (laughs) Multiple meals. Exactly. They would talk about how great you're going to feel if you eat this or you wear that or whatever. Right. And so it's it's a system that the advertising uh, industry has used forever. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you multiply it by thousands and thousands and thousands of people and and with these hardwire systems that, that these people have created in social media, it just becomes really intense and Mm -hmm. dangerous, I think, at times. Well, and they talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence, that the thing with your clicks, with your choices, with how long you stay on a page, every bit of data allows the algorithm essentially to refine itself. Right. And 
there were a couple quotes, you know, there was the Terminator discussion and one of the guys said, look, we're already there and it's not trying to destroy us. The algorithm's purpose is to get you to be fully engaged with it. And it is constantly, you know, trying to figure out what makes you tick. And then there was another woman who was involved with creating some of those early programs. And she talked about how once they basically turn the AI on, they don't even know how it works. So it's not like there's a guy sitting there with an abacus, you know, tallying up how many times you've been to a certain site and doing that stuff. No, this thing is, it's all automated in a way. And it's fine-tuned to you. Right. That's the thing. It's not just this general program that everybody steps into. It's a program that continues to fine-tune to what you do and what they can expect you to do. So I want to jump off of that because I think that one of the interesting things that this documentary does is it talks about the implications and the ramifications of what happens when we have a system that's creating, you know, two or three billion versions of reality for each individual user. What does the documentary say about how that affects our relationships with each other? Well, for one thing, it says that um, that's why everybody feels like everyone around them agrees exactly with them. So, Mm. you know, I mean, it, it sort of dabbled a little bit in politics, but it was saying that because Everything you're dealing with, your social media connections are all fine-tuned to you. They tell you the things that you want to hear about or you want to see or Mm -hmm. the the videos you want to watch. And it seems like everyone agrees with you. And then if if you find out that somebody disagrees, it's like, well, how can that possibly be? How could they think that? That's right. They've got to be completely stupid. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the quotes is in here is that technology isn't the existential threat. It's technology's ability to bring out the worst in society. That is the existential threat. And if you think about that, that brings out the worst in society. I mean, right. you should just get on social media for 0.2 seconds and it won't be difficult to see so many polarizing ideas and opinions. And like you said, if you're in this bubble of a world where your friends think the same as you and then your whole online world thinks the same as you and you have one person that disagrees, well, they must be the, the you know, the minority. Right. right. They're then, crazy. Yeah, they're crazy and you're or able evil. to attack them. Or yeah. evil. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so there's no way to to make ends meet. There's no way to, like in normal society, if we meet somebody that we disagree with, we can talk. Sure. We can converse. And then maybe we might find some common ground. Right. right. But there's not, uh, social media doesn't allow that very much. Yeah. In fact, they talk about that and they talk about it in terms of truth that what social media and what the technology and the way that it has evolved is doing is it's creating an individual reality for Mm -hmm. every single person that makes finding common ground almost impossible. And I was actually pretty surprised at how pessimistic Some of these folks were in talking about our political state and how divided things are. And there was one quote, the guy said, we need to have some shared understanding of reality. Otherwise, we're not a country. And and he was saying what social media has unintentionally done is to really erode our ability to have a shared commonality right. such that all you have left are these tribes that are at war with each other. And so yeah. that was a different outcome than some of the things that we have talked a lot about in terms of how social media affects young girls. I mean, obviously we've kicked that around a lot, but I hadn't thought about 
the political implications, yeah. uh, you know, and what it's doing on a societal level. Well, one of the things I'm wondering about is if families are watching this potentially together, what concerns would they need to navigate? I mean, I think there are some emotional concerns. I think the the show is, or the documentary itself kind of raises this. Jonathan was talking about it. It's this um, group of actors and their, you know, pseudo family. And these kids have to put their phones away. And there's like a test. And this one girl just breaks it open and takes her phone. And so (laughs) I I would imagine what if you were to sit down with your kids and and they're going to get they might get emotionally worked up. Like, I don't want to watch this and have my parents set out all these like rules and regulations. However, I do think that it is extremely helpful. And if I had a kid old enough to sit down to force to watch this, they would be forced to watch it with me (laughs) Um, because I think it could create some incredible discussion. Yeah, I I think it's one of those things where, you know, we as parents never want to be in a position of lecturing. And one of the benefits of this is this gives us a chance to let someone else who's an expert um, chime in on something. And it's a great opportunity for us as parents to be able to just ask questions afterwards. So you could... you know, you know, show it to him and say, Hey, you know, we're going to, uh, and, and, and you could, you could use it in all kinds of different ways. I think schools could actually, you know, show this in social studies class and, you know, in psychology, I mean, there's so many, you know, Mm -hmm. venues where it could be shown, but I think uh, I'm with Chris and I would totally be like, Hey kids, you know, tonight. And I, I always like to give a choice. So I'd be like, Hey, I've got an idea. We either could do a work, we can either do a work day in the yard or there is this new interesting documentary. What do you guys think? Do you want to watch, you know, or whatever. Give them a choice. I'd give them a a choice. And then afterwards I'd be like, Hey, and then let's go to pizza and let's just, and I would not, I'd try to talk as little as possible. And the only reason I say that is because I failed miserably at this and it didn't work. And I found when I finally learned to just ask questions, Mm. it was so much more effective Mm. and to ask questions about like, you know, Hey, did you relate to any of the kids in that family? They showed, you know, uh, which, which one, you know, and, and and just ask some open-ended questions or when you, you know, Hey, what did you think when they talked about the fact that they track everything you look at, you know, um, if they tracked you, what do you think they'd see? You know, I mean, these kinds of things, we can just ask those questions and talk about that and dialogue. Cause this is the kind of stuff that, that believe it or not, our kids actually are feeling most of the research out there shows that they, you know, that teenagers feel they spend a little too much screen time, but they just don't really know what to do about it. Right. Um, most kids feel like people are mean when it comes to that. I mean, and uh, I, I remember doing all the research I did for this bullying book I was working on. And, and I tell you, it was, uh, um, it was to me eye-opening, you know, how much, you know, people who are bullied are twice as likely to contemplate suicide as their peers. Mm. But people who are cyber bullied are three times as likely Mm -hmm. because it's so much more permanent. It's there. There's this written record that video is playing over and over again. And like Kristen said, it's not just to your unique tribe. It's to the whole school. Mm. And and to reinforce what Jonathan was saying, uh, the tech experts that are in this documentary, these aren't people that hate technology. No, I mean, that's their lives. And they even admit that they've been, influenced in negative ways by right. the very technology that they've created, but that they don't hate it. They just hate the outcome. Some right. of the things that happen because of it. And let's face it, <laughs> when, when we, when we lo- watch this thing, you step away saying, man, this is like a James Bond villain trying to take over the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it really is only it's very real. And, and these guys present that. Hmm. These guys say, we built this monster. 
and we've all got to figure out how best to regulate it, how to how to grab a hold of this tiger's tail. You know, one of the things I loved about the film was they personify the algorithm as three guys in a control room. Yes, yeah. that was and, so good. Um, and it was sort of like uh, Inside Out, where you've got yep. the different emotions living yep. within the little girl. Yeah, and, I thought the same thing. That's funny. And, you know, you see them saying, well, he hasn't been on his phone for such and such time. Maybe if we try this, we can suck him in. And and obviously, there's not three guys in a control room trying to do that. It's a, it's a personification. It's a dramatic. It's worse. It's a supercomputer. But it's worse. It's a supercomputer. <laughs> right. uh, and, and I love the way that that sort of gave it an emotional resonance right. mm-hmm. that I'm not sure it would have had otherwise. Well, and and those are again the, those scenes. I think are very powerful because sometimes you know when somebody's you know, sitting there reciting numbers and stats and stuff, kids might even tune out. But right. I think kids will really remember those moments. And when you see those that, you know, that algorithm personified as these guys, because there was a there's a very, I thought, just eye opening scene of these two guys that kind of look like they're maybe in a college hall or something. And they're kind of like, Hey, you going to go talk with her? And they're like, yeah, maybe. And then all of a sudden you see the algorithm dudes that, you know, uh, kind of going, no, let's send him a ping. And they show them <laughs> sending him, you know, like pinging him with a reminder and a wave. Uh-huh. And then the camera goes back to the two guys sitting there and they're no longer talking to each other. They're no longer interested in the girls around them. They're no longer interested in life. They're both staring at their phones, yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think just as like you were saying earlier, Jonathan, is a great takeaway for parents. If you're frustrated with your kid's tech use or even your own tech use, let's be honest here. Yep. Um, sitting down and watching this and talking together is, is probably a great catalyst for change. Yep. And I want to give one uh, mild caution there are a couple profanities. There's, I think, two S words and some misuses of God's name. And so I'm not sure I would show it to really littles, but I think, you know, probably for older tweens and teens on up, yeah. um, I'm going to be watching it with my family. And honestly, I'm hard pressed to think of the last thing I saw that I wanted to jump up and down and say, with those content caveats in mind, everybody should watch this. Yeah. Because I learned things about how all of these processes work, how they affect us, and what the potential implications are that I hadn't thought about before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the business here at Plugged In of trying to think through the the mm-hmm. so what, you know. So what is the implication for us? Uh, and I think that this, uh, this documentary does a good job of depicting the problem. I don't know that it does as good a job at sort of, you know, giving us really positive takeaway but that is kind of what we're here for. Uh, I confess, yeah. I felt a little bit overwhelmed at the end of it, and I felt convicted. I'm like, I am on my phone too much, and mm. uh, you know, my own compulsions and bad habits. Uh, I felt like I was sensitized to those. But here at Plugged In, we really want to help you and your family to have the resources you need to take concrete and specific steps to you know, move toward health. And the goal here isn't perfection. The goal is being engaged. I love the scene in the movie where there was the mom who I think was a professor at Stanford talking about how much she struggles with her own kids. And then her own two kids were on and they were guessing how much time they had spent on social media. And then they picked up their phone, which was recording it. And, you know, it was about twice as much as they thought. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at. You know, even for those of us who are engaged in trying to set boundaries, um, 
we're probably not going to get it right. But Plugged In is here to help you. And a great starting point might be to check out the Plugged In Parents Guide to Today's Technology, which is on our blog. And if you want to go deeper, our very own Jonathan McKee's book, The Teen's Guide to Social Media and Mobile Devices, 21 Tips to Wise Posting in an Insecure World, is a great next step. So today, for a gift of any amount to focus on the family, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan's book as a thank you for being part of the Plugged In Show family. And you can follow the link on the episode page, which will take you to our blog entry on this podcast, and you'll find all the information you need there uh, to check that out, as well as links to the other things that we have discussed on today's show. Finally, this week, we would love to hear from you. Jeff wrote in after last week's episode about favorite COVID movies and shows to let us know that he too likes Virgin River, Kristen. Hey, yeah. thanks, Jeff. Hey, I knew hey, you would yeah. appreciate that. And he also recommended that we take a look at the new Apple Plus drama, Tehran, which in fact we have just reviewed. So Jeff right. can check that out and you can too. And Caleb from Atlanta wrote in to tell us how much he enjoys the show as well. Thanks, Jeff and Caleb. If there's anything on your mind related to this week's episode or other topics you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at team, that's T-E-A-M, at thepluggedinshow.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, too, which feels a little bit ironic given the conversation <laughs> right. we have just had. But do it. Absolutely. I promise yes. we, won't un- we won't unleash the algorithm on you too badly. <laughs> well, on behalf of our Plugged In team, I want to say thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.